hello and welcome to another episode of Knowing Me, Knowing You with Paula and our newest KMKY family edition, who was so much fun to interview, Fern Chan. Yes, I'm your host Paula and I'm not tuning in from my usual home base on the west coast of Canada. I'm tuning in from London in the United Kingdom. Now this is the show where we dive deep into topics that impact our everyday lives. Have you ever struggled with engaging people when sharing information? Perhaps person to person, your product, a course. What about when you had to present or speak in public and wished you had more confidence and better presentation skills? What was that experience and how did it go? Are you a small business owner? and want to share your services and information in a way that it sticks and you are left with rave reviews. Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with on this week's show, where we're joined by a remarkable guest who has danced through the realms of burlesque, studied the intricacies of law and transitioned into a world of training, speaking, presenting and business coaching. She is not only an author of a book titled How to Not Suck at Presentations, but a true expert in the art of captivating audiences. We're going to dive deep into the secrets of becoming an engaging, memorable presenter, how to build the confidence to shine on stage, and the skills needed to communicate your message with crystal clarity. If you are a corporate executive, trainer, presenter, speaker, teacher, small or large business owner, someone like me who is a coach, a life coach, a podcaster, who wants to share their business message or information and be sure it sticks, then get ready to be inspired and learn from Fern Chan's incredible journey and insights. All Fern's details are clickable links in the show notes, including a link to her masterclass and her book. So without any further hesitation, let's head on in and meet my phenomenal guest, Fern Chan. Enjoy. So Fern Chan uh, now lives in New York, but I am uh, an immigrant. I came to New York from New Zealand, so uh, a long, long distance away, but uh, a a lot of... uh, interesting travels. I bring with me all these things that make me a part of who I am. Being able to find my path, find my voice and not be afraid to use those sort of platforms, right? To sort of say, well, how do I find myself in this world, but also assert myself and live in my own um, in my own true self. So it's always been something that I was never afraid to speak my mind, which is a good thing, but maybe not so good depending on where you are in the world, but also <laughs> like trying to find uh, ways to also share my genius with other people. So for me, being able to write this book was like, oh, like why don't I share what I have, what I know to help other people be better presenters as well. So that came from that. And also, you know, I, I'm a shameless ham. I love to get up on stage to perform. I, I've done, you know, I was, I was a musician in a past life, I was a dancer. So a lot of these things I feel like have prepared me to take on many stages to prepare myself to speak to an audience, right? How do I engage an audience to get them to want to interact with me? But how do I share what I know in a way that also will entertain them for that brief moment so they can actually go, wow, that was great. 
I really enjoyed that. I, I remember her. She was, you know, what she said was of such value or I really enjoyed her performance, whatever it may be, right? Just yeah. for that brief moment, I managed to touch someone and it resonated with them. Well, it sounds like you're living on purpose and living your purpose. <laughs> it took a while to get there. It took a while to get there. I thought I was going to be, you know, I was going to join the UN, save the world. That's, that's what I wanted to do. That, that was like the reason I came to, to, you know, New York, right? From New Zealand. I graduated law school. It was like, you know, seven law firms and 200 of us. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to compete with all of you lot. So I'm going to like make my way to New York because as the song goes, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And I really believe that. I love running the New York City Marathon and they, and that's the song that they play, right? As you go across, the cannon goes off and they, you know, you hear Frank Sinatra and it carries you across the Verrazano Bridge. So New York's a very special place to me. And I just feel like it's also a place of wonderful opportunity that opens up so many avenues for you if you're just willing to take the risk and and go for it. Yes. And I just say with your personality, I, I can see you surviving pretty well in New York because it's an electric city. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to New York City many times and anyone that is tuning into this that has been to New York will know that, right? It's a, it's a busy city and Very I think busy. you have to be a certain someone to survive there. <laughs> Yes, that is true. Mind you, I came here over 23 years ago. So I was a different person then. <laughs> you know, single. I didn't have attachments. I was gonna like, you know, go in there and 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 basically have a date with the city every night. Right. That that was it. I didn't have a boyfriend. It was anything. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna have a date with New York City and just explore the, the museums, the culture, Broadway, all those sort of things that make it so interesting. But now I'm in a different place in my life. I'm married, I have kids, I you know, I'm I'm taking on a new phase in my life where I'm being a mompreneur and just, you know, going for my dreams of being an entrepreneur where I am betting on myself, but also using what I know to now put 100% of that right into my skills and being able to help others with what I know. And so those skills, because you went to law school, but then in our conversation when we first met, you've been working with or you worked with law enforcement. Yeah. No, I worked in higher education uh, for the last 15 plus years. So it's been... um, training adult learners. So that's a very different market. I'm not talking about your undergraduates or your graduates. So people who've already got a career, but very specific in law enforcement. I was in a school of criminal justice. So we did a lot of training with law enforcement. And a lot of it came down to communication skills, especially crisis communication skills. So for me, as a trainer and educator, I'm in the classroom trying to train law enforcement officers to use communication skills first as a first line of defense before they have to reach for their weapon. So if I could get that lesson to stick, then, you know, lives could be at stake. So for me, I was thinking, how do I now make my presentations in a way that are so much more compelling that relates to this audience, especially if I'm not a law enforcement officer, a lot of them will be like, well, who are you to tell me what to do when you're not a cop and you've never walked a day in my shoes? So you now have to use other types of, you know, communication skills, but also how can I relate to them that they will buy into what I have to say? And how can I also use this information to make sure that this is for their benefit. What's in it for them, right? So that's how I, I was able to like craft, you know, certain types of messaging in a way. And then I also find that this works in any arena. Um, but yeah. that was where I got a crux of my training too. And then I also do a lot of, I did a lot of presentations as part of my job, um, speaking at conferences. And, and I was very fortunate that I got to do a keynote at the United Nations in Vienna based on this very specific topic, right? How do we train law enforcement officers in a different kind of way so they can infuse the two things of like theory and practice, but also not kill them with boring death by PowerPoint if we're 
talking about, you know, <laughs> this is the law and this is how you apply it. But it's 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 a very hard concept to break down when it's practical practicalities versus like legal jargon, right? Yeah. How do you now know that you've met this burden of proof so that you don't get sued? <laughs> but also yeah. keep lives, right? Keep people yeah. safe and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's yeah. I, I loved every moment of that life that I had. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I can, you know, use all the same skills to help other people who are not in law enforcement, but also face issues when they're talking with people like, well, how do I get my message to stick? How do I talk yeah. to people and make sure they're listening? How do I sell my service or product if I'm an entrepreneur? How do I make my students not fall asleep in class? <laughs> It's one of those big things. Or if I'm a conference speaker, if I'm speaking at a conference, how do I make these people stay awake or, or lean in to ask questions so they want to know more uh, and, and you know, keep learning from me at the end? Because I would hate to put all that amazing knowledge, put all that effort, and then have everybody just fall asleep or look at their phones or just forget what you said the moment you stop talking, right? That, that, that to me is like such a travesty because you've just wasted all your time and you've wasted your audience's time and nobody wants that, Right. Yeah, but I think of how many times I'm sure there's people listening again or who will see this uh, video as well who have been at conferences and just sat there and literally yawned through the whole thing. And I know I have. And I'll say this, like most people who volunteer to get up there to speak do it out of a place of love. They want to share their knowledge. They do believe that they have something of value to offer the world, but they just forget that um, to put on the, the other perspective, like how can the audience then benefit from this information rather than I've done 20 years of research and here it is brain dumped in 40 minutes, my 20 years of research. And then you get slides that are like a gazillion bullet points, lines and lines of text, graphs and charts. And it's just so overwhelming. You're excited about the information, but your audience stopped listening way back. You know, in slide yeah. number two, because it was like, uh, oh, they, they've just gotten so paralyzed and then they've drifted off and they're like, you know, when is this going to end versus like, yeah. well, how does this relate to me? Right. Yeah. What can I do with this information? Yeah, that's nice. But now, so what? <laughs> and I yeah. think, how, how can you answer that question to say, well, so what? Let me tell you what happens if you don't use this information. Let me, you know, so how can you use that information to hook your audience in to make it about them? Right. Yeah. How is this going to be of benefit to them? How are you going to solve a problem for these people? Because people listen for one of two reasons. They have a problem. <laughs> they want to know how to solve a problem. It's a lot of self-interest. Right. If I'm coming to listen to you, why should I be listening to you to begin with? Right. You have something to say that I want to know about. So in that sense, you already have a captive audience. If you happen to be presenting, people show up in your in your slot to go, oh, well, I want to know about what she has to say. So, okay. So when you think about that, how do I then use that information to be of the greatest benefit to the listener? Yeah. Let's take a little step back. So now at the moment, are you a business coach? What exactly do you do now? So do I do offer coaching. I have a coaching program okay. that helps people be dynamic presenters. So if okay. you are a business professional and presenting is part of your job, let's say, and you have to do like quarterly reports, those can be quite boring. <laughs> who, who are your stakeholders that you have to report out to? Or like, like I said, even if for people who have to do professional development and they do um, get tapped to speak at conferences, right? How are you going to like report your findings in a way that makes sure that the message that you're giving resonates with the audience? And I also coach other other trainers and entrepreneurs who have to figure out a way to speak about their products or service in a way solve that problem for their for their clientele or potential yeah. clients or to say you know what do you know when you have this 
what you can do about that. Let me tell you. So it's like, how can I help you to tell your story in a way that's compelling? So people want to lean in and listen rather than you go on about, well, when I started the company, (laughs) I think people forget, right? They go so much into their own story before they realize the story you actually need to tell is the transformation of what your audience will get when they use your service or product so they come out in a better place. Yeah. You're an author of the book, How Not to Suck at Presentations. And I started reading your book and I have to share with everyone, it is fantastic. Your sense of humor comes through in the book. I had a good giggle here and there. It's extremely lighthearted and uh, it, it really is. It shares such great information that I think you could also even consider whether you're doing a, a, a presentation in person or whether you're doing something online. Because obviously you, we know that you used to suck at presentations. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a place of that pain because I used to suck and I thought, I don't want to have, I don't want to see anybody else sleeping in my presentations because that sucks. It yeah. sucks your confidence. You know, nobody wants to do that. I'm like, oh man, what? Where did I go wrong? And I think so many of us just follow a bad example because we think this is how we present information. We saw somebody use a PowerPoint, they put up a gazillion bullet points, and we start to talk, you know, like, oh, I'll just put up a slide and I'll just talk about the points. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> and then before you know it, it becomes a crutch, right? And then and then yeah. it becomes like a teleprompter, everybody reads line by line, and then you've lost the audience. So I'm like, that's a better way to do this. And for me too, as as I've evolved, it got really bad during COVID when everybody was doing Zoom. Zooms, they were not adapting to the environment. And when people are on screen, it's even harder to get their attention. So how do you make it even more interactive in a way where it's not just a talking head the whole time, right? So you have to use different um, engagement tools to get your audience to participate, listen, but also you can't just be talking for that whole hour. (laughs) You need to give the brain a break, right? You have to pause and say, okay, is everyone still with me? right? Be okay with some silence. And I think that's where a lot of speakers too fears like, oh my God, nobody's here speaking, saying anything. It's crickets. (laughs) But sometimes when you're giving so much value, those nuggets have to sink in. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding from that is that you then realized that you had had a bit of a disconnect from the people you were sharing with your important message, right? So that's the challenge, right? Is staying engaged, Mm -hmm. uh, staying connected and definitely not reading off the PowerPoint presentation. So being very specific to what you're putting up on that presentation, right? Yes. And I always say that your slide deck is just a visual aid because technical issues happen where your slides might not even load up. So what are you going to do then (laughs) if that doesn't work? You still have that time and, you know, you have to make the most of that situation. And it's happened to be more than once, you know, issues and then suddenly poof. Okay. We have no power. (laughs) This is not going to (laughs) work. So let me tell you what I know. And then you can speak to your knowledge because you are at that moment, the subject matter expert. You would not have gotten on stage to begin with if you did not know what you're talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, then don't go on stage. (laughs) Should not go up there because you should know it well enough that should any of these sort of technical things fall apart, you can still say, you know what? Gods are not with us today, but that's okay. I'm going to share with you how we can do this and have enough comfort that you can pivot and just have a conversation with your audience because that's the most natural thing to go about it, right? And it depends on your audience. A lot of it also depends on your audience. If you're speaking to 
foreign dignitaries and it's at the UN, it's going to be a very different market than say me just having a conversation with my peers where I'm addressing all these educators. We all know what the same, you know, the struggles that we are. We're talking about the same pains of not enough resources. You know, we have to go through so much bureaucracy to get anything done, right? Speak to those pains because I know the struggles that we go through. And here's what I've learned. How can my experience help you, right? Then that's when the storytelling becomes rich because people find that connection when they can relate to what you're saying. Just like when you said, like, we've been to conferences where you've seen like people falling asleep. Like if I ask the audience, how many of you have experienced conference where it's death by PowerPoint and you just wanted to get out of there? The the collective groan, right? Like, oh, I bet there'll be like a sea of hands, right? Yes. (laughs) We've all been there, you know. I mean, I think the second question would be like, how many of you have given that kind of presentation? I've been there too, you know. So, but there's a better way to do it. And so storytelling, I know, is extremely important throughout whatever type of presentation you are giving. I think it adds a bit of flavor, right? Storytelling is so powerful because we as humans tell our history to stories. We are designed to listen to stories, right? And react that way. We don't react so well to facts and, fi- you know, and, facts and figures because it's kind of abstract. But the moment you say something like, imagine this. You already put yourself in that role of the protagonist, right? Nobody wants to see themselves as the villain or the victim. They want to see themselves as the hero. Hero. So imagine your day going through this and you're picturing all those sort of things as you're using your words. People can see themselves in that, right? And that's very powerful. That's why people daydream. They daydream to escape the doldrum. So they're going (laughs) to daydream. You might as well give them the script. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Give them the storyline so they can follow with you so they can go, I want to know how this story ends because I want to be victorious at the end. So what's going to happen if you don't follow the plan that I've just laid out? What happens if we don't take action and we let all these things, you know, if we continue the way that we on the path without taking corrective action, then you can paint the stakes of how the world would look like. And you're like, oh, no, we can't have that. Right. What is the reaction that can get from people? But then you make it real because people remember and I'm quoting Maya Angelou. They don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. So in as you're telling the stories, be vivid, make it visceral so they can feel like, you know what, you're walking outside in New York City, the sun is beaming and you can smell all the wonderful smells of New York City <laughs> and you can hear it, right? The traffic's going crazy. Like you're painting that picture so they can feel it and then boom, something happens. Yeah. What is that point of crisis? Now, how do we overcome that? That's what I'm going to tell you in this presentation, how we get there. Right. So yeah. that, that then becomes your vehicle to then walk them through the process of how do we yeah. get to this end point? Yeah. You're inviting them, right, to get into the car with you to come along on the journey. Yes. So people get excited about it, right? So yeah. when we think about storytelling, which is so important when we're presenting, you have to have confidence <laughs> to get up on that stage, right? Yes. And so many people will suffer from imposter syndrome who should I be to be standing up on the stage doing this? Um, I can't do this. I'm not good at this, right? Um, Even if they they know their topic, they're passionate about it, and they really suffer from the confidence level, which then affects their communication. How do we build our confidence? I actually used to suffer from panic attacks as a child. For me now to come to this point where I have no qualms about taking my clothes off on stage because I was a burlesque dancer. <laughs> Where did this come from to suddenly go from one end to the other? And it comes from 
reps. It comes from practice. You know, you get better each time or less suckier each time, but it's not something that grows, but it's also a skill. And if it's a skill, you can build it. So it's something that you you do have to say to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to take a baby step today. And maybe it's just, I'm going to look at the mirror and say the words aloud so I can just get used to that feeling of speaking in public and speaking aloud. Speaking in your head is no good because you never know what the words will sound like until you try to enunciate it. And it's one of those things that we can say it in my head, but once I try to say proper preparation prevents poor performance, that could trip you up. That's five P words in a row. (laughs) So it's like, if I have to do proper preparation to prevent poor performance, my goodness, I'm going to sound like a hot mess on stage. So again, these are just little things. And it's like, oh, I got that done. And even if you mess up, it's okay. It's not the end of the world because I know there are going to be people in the audience who are deathly afraid of speaking in public. And they're going to say, wow, I really am in awe of this person who's also shy like me, who may be an introvert, but they're like getting up there anyway and doing it scared. So more kudos to them. And it's okay that you fumble because that's also such a human response that when people see fallibility, they relate to it so much more. I mess up all the time. So it's like, oops, I'm so sorry that you know, I forgot that. It's okay. Let's go. <laughs> I'm go so back, sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's like, yeah. you know, hey, these things happen. And so you just move on. So I think also how, how well do you manage those situations? And it also comes down, like I mentioned, preparation, right? What is your highest level of preparation? So have you rehearsed your presentation? Have you done it enough times that you know what to say, even if the slides go down? Or even if you don't say a line that you thought you were going to say, only you know that. The audience won't know that. They don't have the script to follow along. So you're just like, it's okay. Only you know it. So long as you see them still engaging with you and still you know, are with you that they're like, yes, leading in, tell us more Then that's, you know, a way to go about it. And sometimes if you see someone falling asleep, it's like, oh, you know, is it a bit warm in this room? I see a few nodding heads. It's okay. If it's three <laughs> o'clock, I'm thinking about when is this going to end to call it out. Sometimes I do that. I walk around in the classroom. I see a nodding head. It's like, you know what? I gently tap the person on the shoulder. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just to like, oh, you know. So yeah. lots and lots of uh, tr- tips and tricks. It's different, again, if you are in person, if you're in a virtual environment, right? In person's always the best because you get to walk around a bit. If you're not stuck yeah. to a, the podium and your microphone is, you know, um, stuck up there, right? I, I like to walk around because when you're moving, eyes follow. Eyes follow motion. So if you're walking from one side to the room to the other, people will be like, oh, where's she going? Um, You know, when you're using your hands and how do you use your body language to also make points that are huge, right? Like when you say, that's a massive problem, you know, your your arms go up, your voice goes up. But let me tell you a secret. If you say that, I mean, this is like, everybody's like, what's the secret? We want to (laughs) know. Right? Intrigue already. And that's just like, I just crouched down and dropped my voice. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So these are just little tips and tricks. Yeah. And you know, when I think of the storytelling, the communication and building that confidence, I think of myself as a young girl. I think you and I both uh, don't struggle with that confidence, (laughs) but it's had to be built up, right? Because I remember in school being very shy. Like if the teacher called me up, I just wanted to shrink. Like, don't even look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm in class. I'll do my work and I want to leave right when the bell goes. But I ended up going into doing uh, speech and drama as a young girl. Wonderful. And I found that really helped me. Right. And I think 
if you think about uh, sports activities, playing a musical instrument, you know, for you having once upon a time been a burlesque dancer and a musician, it takes practice. You have to practice to build the confidence. And so the same thing with presentations, practice makes perfect. Well, I will say practice makes progress. Perfection is a really hard and high level to, you know, and that adds more anxiety. But if you think practice makes progress and I'm a little better than I was before. Yes. No, I take that back. I agree with you. (laughs) Just as it rolled out of my mouth, I was like, there's no such thing as perfect, right? There's the 80-20 rule, which I've had to learn with podcasting and everything else, a little OCD myself, right? So yeah, you know, storytelling, building your confidence, and then the communication are important parts about presentation. So when we look at our visual aids, that's Mm. something so important, right? And all of this is covered in your book, I must say to everybody, beautifully (laughs) covered (laughs) with lots of humor in it. I love it. And so I actually think it's it's possibly a lot easier today with the tools that we have, a much better presenter, right? A more eloquent, (laughs) if we can use that word, right? Yeah. Yes. But you have to know how to use and not misuse it. I think that's the point. I mean, PowerPoint gets a bad rap. It's it's not PowerPoint is that people don't use it quite correctly. And it was designed. The the reason it's called PowerPoint is so you can make your points powerfully. I think it's been misused and therefore now it's stuck on the bullet points and, and, you know, charts and so much information that it's really hard for our eyes to now digest that information versus using it as a visual aid where, you know what, it's a picture is worth a thousand words. As I mentioned in my book, they don't need to see a thousand words on the screen. Yeah. How can you use that visual image to just set the scene and you provide the verbiage, you are providing the narrative to that picture. So as people are looking at it and you're talking about it, they're imagining that scenario, what it might look like. Yeah. In your book, part of what you share in your chapters is around uh, visual aids and how to uh, really set up a slide presentation, right? Without boring people and adding too much information. Yeah. I mean, the key thing is always to just have one idea per slide, one thing to focus on, because if you put too much on there, it's, it's, they're all going to start reading and they're not listening to you anymore. So what is the one concept that you want to just put up there and then talk about that one concept? You know, they're listening to you. It's going to be much better than them reading about it because they, you know, once they, they can't do two things, right? If they're reading, they can't listen. So it's best for you to just have that idea, the one idea up there. Let me tell you what this image is telling you about. And then you go about it and then you can tell that story or what does it mean? How does it impact? Yes. Right, go through the sort of things that would arouse those emotions. What do you want people to get out of this image? It's the same thing with data. And that's the other sort of deadly death by PowerPoint, <laughs> right? Yeah. Charts and graphs. Yeah. It's really hard if I'm sitting at the back of the room to have to lean in and figure out, oh, what, what are those dots mean? What is the key? What, you know, it's, it's, if it's too much mental math and mental effort, I'm going to yeah. tune out. So that's the danger of graphs and charts. But I understand in a world of data-driven decision-making, we need to see data. But again, I would always sort of challenge, well, what do you want this data to do? What's the story you want to tell with this data that would make the audience want to give a hoot? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why should I care about what's graphs? Be mindful about the audience uh, to make sure I'm not putting myself in a, you know, R situation. (laughs) (laughs) R-rated, right? Because that's what I was going to ask you. If we can call it uh, 
different, I don't know if mediums is the right word to use when you're tailoring your slide presentation, yeah. right? Is not everyone likes an image, right? Some people are numbers people. Some people mm -hmm. are graph people. So it's really to add in those different elements in yeah. your slide presentation, right? I haven't read your whole book, but I would think that would be something. And I, and I was asked to do um, a presentation once to, you know, a group of um, auditors and compliance managers. And I thought, oh my gosh, this must be the most driest type of information to have to present because most of them are very linear in thinking. They will run through all the problems from A to Z. And people yeah. have stopped listening at problem C, most likely, if you're lucky. <laughs> and then you have a lot of frustration because it's like, you're not listening. It's like, I'm sorry, what was that? Because it was just so much. So again, I how do we curate information that then can just make enough of an impact that if you want more, we can go into detail and, and give a handout, right? So data can be powerful if you know how to tell that story where that data is meaningful, but also relatable. Because sometimes it can be so abstract to say, right, 90,000 people in, you know, in the United States or whatever, that 180,000 people suffer from um, depression in just New York State alone. And I'm like, okay, what does 100,000, 180,000 people look like? It's like, yeah. well, if you can imagine Yankee Stadium, at full capacity that holds like 60,000, whatever that amount is. And yeah. I'm a New Yorker and I know Yankee Stadium and I know I'm paying nine bucks for overpriced beer and hot dogs. <laughs> you know, that's just nosebleed seat. And I'm seeing like all these people I pack because it's the World Series, you know. How are you going to use that data point to talk about, hey, let me relate this to what it's like. Now imagine all of us are crammed in Yankee Stadium. It's full of capacity. Now think about this stadium six times over. And that doesn't even equate to the number of New Yorkers who are suffering from depression on any given day. Now your mind is like, oh my God, that's a lot of, yes. if, that, if that image didn't depress you, then shoot. <laughs> right? But you yeah. now have a visual image to now say like, why does 180,000 seem like a lot, right? Why does yeah. one in five, why do one in five Americans have this issue of, of mental health problems. You know, so there's a lot of ways that we can tell us from data, but how do you want people to react to that? Yeah. 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 Well, you're making it more relatable. Yes. Right? And that's what, what you were saying with the data, right? It's meaningful and relatable. So you also need to know your audience well. So, And that's such a key point is knowing your audience when you're presenting. Like who are these people who are coming to listen? What brings them together to yeah. sort of think, are these peers of mine? Do they already have a common understanding of the language that we're using? Because if they don't, then you have to think, okay, if they're unfamiliar with this topic, but they're interested in it, I'm talking about a different thing versus if I'm a nuclear scientist talking to other nuclear scientists, we already have common language that I can speak nerdy jargon about and they'll get it. Right? But if it's a lay person and you're talking about chemical reactions and we ate, you know, whatever we add this, da, 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 my, oh, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> that was too much already. So knowing your audience is a key thing. References, if you're telling stories, you know, if yeah. you're telling, you know, this to a 20 plus year old group, they're going to be more in tune to hipper things 
that yeah. I'm no longer hip anymore to know what I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> but I can talk Star Wars all the all day, every day, because I grew up in Star Wars. I love Star yeah. Wars. And people who get that will be like, oh, she's probably an 80s child. <laughs> <laughs> Not to give away age or anything. But, <laughs> but like you and I, who remember days of OHPs, like we get that reference, right? Yeah. We get overhead yeah. projectors and transparency. You can't even find these things at um, the store anymore. No, that's it, right? Something I want to talk about with regards to communication, uh, what's so important is presentation of self. So, you know, first of all, you want to build up your confidence, but you also want to be prepared within yourself, your presentation of yourself. How are you? uh, How are you dressed? How are you presenting yourself on stage? I always say, Present yourself with excellence and integrity, right? And oh, uh, on stage, body language, like you were talking about using your hands and how you are standing, you know, you're not standing with your arms crossed, right? So important, right? Body language. Yeah. But we might not be aware of our body language when we first get on stage because we probably don't record ourselves first and see how we present. So yes. I always say it's an exercise first off the bat. Let's ha- Let's take a scan. Like, have you ever... Watch yourself present. And what what are your tics? What are your normal things? You may not even realize the things that you say when you're nervous. Are you yeah. an umma or an R? I, I tend to put right at the end. Like, so when you ask a question, it's like, well, are you asking me? Or are you telling me? You know, a little bit of self-doubt. <laughs> so again, I'm still working on that because it's just part of my speech. So I have to yes. be mindful about that. But I've been very clear about, oh, this is when I say um and ah, I can remove that. But also, yes, when we roll our shoulders back, how do we move forward with, you know, best foot forward so I'm not looking at my feet (laughs) and, and, you know, feeling shriveled up versus like, hey, I'm up here. I may feel nervous on the inside, but I'm still here. I'm present. I'm here to share my knowledge with you so you can get something out of it, right? So for me, it's always like, yes, be aware of your body language because people make judgments before you even say a word. (laughs) They're going to say, oh, I know how this is going to (laughs) go. Yes, yes, exactly, right? So you want to surprise them. (laughs) Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah, you know, right. but but be prepared. But also, I think be prepared of your be aware of your surroundings. If you're in a big auditorium, wear something with a pop of color so you don't like disappear into the background so people can see you. <laughs> uh, if you're on a background, a Zoom background, uh, you know, don't disappear into the background. Wear white <laughs> so they can see you. What is it that you can do to make sure that you stand out so that people can follow you as well? Yeah. And here is something as well I think is so important is your vocal tone, the pace, right? So that you're not sounding so monotone because your presentation may be actually great, but your voice might put people to sleep, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Again, and most of us who are parents, when you're doing story time with your kids, when I have to read stories, I I have to inject the sort of, you know, the modulation, the excitement because, you know, they can read now, but a few years back when they couldn't read, I can't just like read flat. They want to know what's happening. So they go, what's going to happen, mom? What's going to happen to the little, yeah. you know, the fat <laughs> caterpillar who just ate everything? You know, I'm like, going to get sick. <laughs> but <laughs> how do you build that anticipation? It's the same thing. Yeah. Pacing, modulation. Just like when you go to a concert, you don't want to just listen to the one note the same way. You want to hear the dynamics. And your voice is your instrument. So when you're presenting, think of your voice as the instrument that's going to provide the crescendos and all the sort of, you know, uh, modulation and and on the differences that people are going to go, just like I said, right? I have a secret. (laughs) You know what? Those sort of things that will change how people um, react. Yes. So when we look at you being a coach, 
Do you have any success stories? Yes. So I just coached a wonderful, wonderful um, health and nutrition coach herself. Her name is Susie. And she does a lot of nutrition training, but she was somewhat handcuffed by having to use the company's template. So she came to me and she said, Fern, you know, I, I really want to offer a lot, but, you know, I feel like it's a bit boring because I'm stuck with using a certain template and I can't veer too much. And I said, like, okay, let's, let's see what we have and let's work with what we have. We can still introduce storytelling, other things you can do within the confines and what you have to give. So, you know, I worked with her. We built in more interaction with her, with her um, content so she could get her listeners to participate with her. And then she said, Fern, I got like the most amazing five-star review. And so that gave her like so much more confidence. I mean, just the fact that people notice a difference. Like, I really enjoyed your class. When somebody says that, because she wanted to make an impact. She wanted to share her knowledge to make sure that these people are eating healthier, that they're feeling good about themselves because we're all overworked. We don't have time to take care of ourselves. We're always caring about other people. So she wanted to give them that space, but that, that the tools to do the things that she wanted to do. But you know, she she felt like she was coming off a bit boring. This was a lot of stuff. They tuned up. But now she was using all the techniques I was teaching her in this coaching program that she got some five-star reviews that made her feel like, you know, a million bucks. Uh, and then, you know, she got more interaction and people reaching out to her for more. So just from that, I was like, oh my God, that just made the world of difference. Because why do we do what we do, right? We as as coaches, as, as people who want to share our thoughts and ideas, we want to help people with what we know. And the yeah. fact that she was able to do that, get people to actually say that, that's the validation that she got. So I'm so pleased that um, she was able to get yeah. the value that she did from coaching. That was something you shared about your story was when you were presenting, once you realized you were really bad at presenting and you had shifted everything, people are wowed by what you were doing. And, and that was part of your inspiration behind sharing all this information that you have gained over time. And, you know, now your book, which is how to not suck at presentations, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that was the biggest, I guess, compliment. It's like, oh, God, I want to be next to Fern because she's going to get everybody laughing and my rose going to be so quiet. But they was like, well, what is she doing, yeah. right? That's different. And that, I think, too, is like when when I'm listed somewhere and, and I might have a couple of groupies, they show up. It's like, oh, I, I don't even care what you're talking about. I Knowing that you're on the docket, I show up to when you speak. That is like the ultimate compliment. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Because they're coming to listen because they always get some value. So yes. for me, it's like, I must be doing something right. So how can I now help everybody else who wants to share their knowledge in these environments, especially because I came from the world of higher education. We are teachers. We are by nature educators. We want to share information, but sometimes we are not the best executors. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think a lot of them too also want to learn. So I want to like yeah. give that skill back to them. Like, how can I help you? get your, your genius out in the world so people can learn from you. That's the most important thing, right? Can they use this information to make their lives better? Yeah. I do think that your book, definitely, if anyone is looking to level up their presentation skills and make a difference, number one is to read your book, you know, sharing information, learning how to share information, um, be the best communicator with confidence and get those raving reviews. So people, every time they know you are presenting at a conference, you know for sure that they're not going to sit at the back anymore. They are sitting right in the front. And then I think to reach out to you, Fern, as well, right? Absolutely. And 
Absolutely. Starting point, read the book. If you got some value from it, wonderful. Come go to my website, fernchan.com. I also offer a digital course as a do-it-yourself. And if you want to take it a level up where you want more accountability, where you want me to hold your hand, so I make sure that I can give you the feedback that you want after you've you know, put together your presentation, what works, what doesn't, you know, that's the next level of the coaching, right? To sort of yes. get that feedback and to make sure that we do the work. And that's, you know, that's all you can ask, right? I mean, execution is on you. I can give you all the tools and tips, but, but the execution is on you to do the work so that you can be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And I think investment as a, a health and, and personal growth coach, I, I say to people, don't underestimate the value in having a coach and having a coach like Fern. Absolutely. Invest in a couple of sessions to really level things up. You make your life a whole lot easier. You make your life a whole lot happier. And, you know, when it comes to presenting, I will also leave a link to your digital course. But I think having someone that keeps you accountable to level up is great. Fern, you're fun. So, you know, people will hear this, but I mean, they'll hear from our conversation. This is why I'm so excited to talk to you is because you're so fun to talk to you. You definitely don't have a poker face. I think between you and I, we'd be yeah, useless horrible, at playing horrible. We would be crazy being partners in any game because we would give everything away. Everything away. That's for sure. Which is also good at presentation, right? Because people love that. You're keeping them focused on yes. you and listening and waiting to hear more and learn more, right? These skills, you can use it in so many different areas of your life. So it's, it's also, you know, it, it helps you build your soul. I feel like if you can yes. communicate clearly, communicate an audience that doesn't even know your, your subject matter, but they get what you're saying. I'd say like Jedi master level. <laughs> Back to my. Star yeah. Wars references. I know, yeah. I know you like, I know you like Star Wars. And I was going to ask you as well then, your book, like TEDx talks are huge at the moment, yeah. right? Something I'm very interested in. Yeah. Do you think that, I think parts of your book would actually help people to just build that confidence in preparation of what they're going to present? Yeah, no, TEDx has, TEDx talks are very different. And I read Chris Anderson's book, Talk Like TED. It's actually one of the books that I recommend in my book. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm borrowing from what he has to, to offer other people. TEDx is yes. like one idea that you talk about, ideas worth sharing what they have. And you have an 18-minute format at most to talk about those things. I usually give it more than 18 minutes. So I have to think, okay, what do I do with this time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And build in other things with it. So TEDx is great for certain formats and yeah. certain things. And, and definitely it's one of those things on my to-do list next year. Like, how can I use the skills that I have? Who knows? Maybe I'll talk about from the burlesque to the boardroom. And that could be like my TEDx talk, right? It has to be an idea that will, again, make people like, how, what, is, what is it different? How does it make people go, oh, contrary to what popular belief is? Because there's a lot yes. of what TEDx is, is not what you think it is. So how do we sort of challenge that status quo? TEDx is a wonderful way for you to elevate your speaking skills, but it's a different platform, different format than probably what you would do. If you're going to do TEDx talks, learn from a TEDx coach. I am not a TEDx coach, but I am you know, going to help you with other means of presentations. If you're going to be speaking at a conference, if you're going to be doing like training, that sort of type, I'm happy to help you with that. Yeah. I, I myself might get some con I'm coaching on doing how, how to do TEDx talks. And I look forward to learning from other experts, right? Because that's yeah. going to elevate my game to a different level. And then how do I use those sort of skill sets to then pass on to my future students yes. <laughs> if they want to learn those sort of skill sets? Skills, right? 
you have any workshops at all? Is this something that you do regularly? Yes, I do have regular free masterclasses that I'm giving just to help people overcome some of the pitfalls of presentations. So if they have something coming up, they can sign up for my free masterclass and I'll be having those quite regularly, if not every month, every other month. Okay. And they can get that information from my website at fernchan.com. And you're okay for people to link with you on LinkedIn as well? They can visit you on LinkedIn I would love that. Please connect with me at LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram at Fern Chan Presents, but you can find me on those two channels. Um, I'm on Facebook and you can find me and connect with me. Happy to help you in your presentation journey if you just want to connect. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think there is anything else that Uh, we have possibly missed or you'd like to share with listeners key pieces of advice or takeaways? Well, first, thank you for getting my book. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun read. I did not want it to be a tome. It's like, oh, this is a hard slot. It's a fun, quick read. It's colorful. It's got pictures. It's going to make you want to like, oh, I can get through this, right? So that's number one, right? It's it's a quick, easy read because that's what we want people to be able to digest information easily. So when you're presenting, also think that way. How can people digest this information easily without it being overwhelming for them to get? Uh, And also, Less is more. I think people give too much. Uh, so, but they never think like, what can I cut out? Because they 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 want to share so much. They're coming from this place of love. I do genuinely believe this. People come from a genuine place of love to want to share a lot, but sometimes it's too much. And when that cup runneth over, doesn't matter how good that juju is. <laughs> listen, and all that good vodka spilling over. We we do not want to waste good juju. Only have a martini glass worth of a vessel to fill in. Don't put in a keg's worth, right? So make sure you can only put in so much so people yeah. can like, I got this. Let them consume it. I want more. Then you fill it. But don't, you know, keep pouring in. Yes. That's why you leave space for them to digest that information. Yes. Are there any other books in the pipeline? I'm I'm considering writing a, a children's book. Uh, just, oh. yeah, it's, it's, you know, one of those things. But I sort of think, how can I do something that my children, and, and to leave as a legacy for my kids so they can read and go, oh, mom wrote this book. Because they know mom wrote nice. a book, but, you know, it's not a book that my children can read. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's if you're not a bedtime story book. <laughs> no, but so it's, it's a different skill set. But, you know, I would love to be able to leave a legacy for my children to be able to say, hey, this is a book that mommy wrote. But who knows? There might be another business book on, you know, how to start your own business as you start off yeah. to, you know, as I transitioned out of my nine to five using my skill sets to be a entrepreneur, mompreneur, authorpreneur, all those sort of things that you do. Maybe there's a book in there too. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Well, Fern, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Paula. I really enjoyed being on your podcast and getting to know you and know me. So <laughs> we should do an outro and sing ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need to do. Just get all your guests to sing ABBA as we are like, you know, exit your show. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we have come to another jam-packed wisdom and information share episode. What were my golden takeaways? When presenting information, no matter the situation, less is more. Keep it simple. Now, that can be difficult sometimes, right? Storytelling is key. I'm really trying to practice my storytelling as a podcaster. And another thing here is use visuals to set the scene. One idea per slide is best with presentations. 
when sharing data, think about what is the story you want to share. Know your audience. Dress up and show up. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Whether you are a corporate executive, teacher, trainer, speaker, podcaster like myself, small or large business owner, I think there is something we can learn from Fern's book, How to Not Suck at Presentations. We can learn about how we present ourselves and what we have to say, leaving a memorable impression and information that sticks. I invite you to follow the podcast and share episodes you enjoyed far and wide. I appreciate you for it. Oh, and I have good news. We finally have our YouTube channel now live where we share short videos from our interviews. All my details are clickable links in the show notes. Thank you for your support. Thanks for tuning in. That's it from me, Paula, and my wonderful guest, Fern Chan. Goodbye for now.